Here we go. Welcome back. College Football Payoff Podcast, Episode 12. Week 14. And getting down to the end of the season now. A lot's going on with speculation, I would say, with uh, the Big Ten. I tweeted out last Friday night, I believe, when Ohio State's game was canceled, that wouldn't be surprised if Michigan decided to uh, have a COVID case outbreak uh, either this week or early next week to affect the Big Ten and the Buckeyes' chances of playing in the championship game. And wouldn't you know, they decided, oh, we have a COVID break. We're going to cancel our game. We're pausing activities this week. So You, you called it last week, but Kirk Herbstreet said it last night yep. on the college football uh, playoff reveal, rankings reveal, and the whole sports world went crazy on them. So uh, thank God we're not big enough yet for I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, for that, Harbaugh's scared to play. Yes, he knows that this game against Ohio State will probably define his career, and he most likely would get fired. Him and him and Michigan just need to they mutually need to, part yeah. ways. Yep. Just don't Michigan. You don't even have to fire him. Just bring him into the office, send him out there on the podium, and say, "Yeah, we've mutually agreed to part ways." He can go back to the NFL. Michigan can get a real coach. So yeah, now if Michigan decides or. I shouldn't say decides. If Michigan can't play Ohio State, Ohio State falls underneath that six-game threshold to play in the college in the uh, conference championship, and that would I think that affects them playing. You can't play in the college football playoff if you're not playing for your conference championship. No, no not at all. It, not this year. Well, yeah, oh, maybe Texas A and M might have a chance they to would, sneak in I there. I think they would jump over Ohio State if that were the case. Yeah. So, um, Michigan and Kevin Warren could be the demise of the Big Ten Conference this year. Yeah, and especially Kevin Warren. Yep, that's going to just destroy football in the Big Ten for years to come. From wannabe hero to Big Ten with zero Maybe. representation in the playoffs. Like that. that was good. <laughs> All right, so that was really the only bit of news. I mean, everything else pretty straightforward this week. A uh, few games are canceled, but nothing really affecting our cards as much. Um, you want to go ahead and let's – recap our week last week uh i had two games canceled actually so i only played four of which i went two and two so breaking even but i hit uh the over 67 and a half in ucf usf that was i think close to 100 points uh tcu minus 24 and a half over kansas i hit that and Kansas just—it's tough to watch, but they're just sorry. It, they really There's are. It's a sorry program. Uh, the two games I did lose: Maryland, Indiana. I took the over sixty-two and a half. Obviously, Michael Penix Jr. getting hurt changed the outcome of that game. And then Nebraska, Iowa. I had Iowa minus fourteen, and uh, Nebraska was able to cover. So mm, two and two on the season. I am thirty-eight and thirty-four. So I'm still. Up five plus units, um, and the money line money maker was canceled last week. That West Virginia Oklahoma game. Yes. So, two games canceled. Two and two, staying par for the course. Awesome. Last week I gave you guys five picks. Two of those unfortunately got canceled with the Charlotte pick and the West Virginia plus six and a half pick. Uh, but my with my other three picks, I did give you a three and zero week, uh, second undefeated week on the podcast, but. Not going to celebrate it too much just because it's only 3-0. and uh, Gave you Florida minus 23.5. Hope you squeaked that one in there before the line got too high for you. Uh, Bama minus 23.5. That was really easy for an Iron Bowl. And then Iowa State plus 2. 
went to minus two before the game, so hope you got it, but they would have covered it anyways. I'll still celebrate the three and all week for you. Oh, that's undefeated. You. That's <laughs> awesome. So, got two undefeated weeks out of you. That's yeah, good to hear. Twenty seven thirty and one on the season, but fifteen seven and one over the last five weeks. Really kicked in the gear this second half of the season and ready to finish it out hot. Yep. All right, we got a couple what is it, two more weeks of play and then conference jumping into a conference week. championships and then our bowls. So yeah. just to uh prepare you for that. Conference championship, I'm probably going to do every every conference, right? I'll, we'll, I'll give a pick for every conference championship. We'll pick every game. conference championship game. And then when we go into bowl weeks, it's going to be the same, you know, one episode a week, but we're going to do every bowl game from the airing of that episode until the next one. So every single bowl game this, this season, we will have a pick on. So I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of fights and a few um, together picks, but... It's going to be a good good end of the year, and then hopefully by then we'll have sports somewhat to uh, back to normal with basketball, hockey, all that good stuff. All right. You want to go ahead and jump into it then? Yeah, let's get into it. I can start for you. Okay. I'm going to start off with some SEC action, South Carolina at Kentucky. Uh, it's a 730 game on Saturday, SEC Network. Uh, with this game... It's really just both teams trying to finish the season. I mean, South Carolina, we know they fired their head coach and they got demolished by Georgia. Kentucky, they had to play Alabama and Florida in their last two games. So this is the classic, get to the end of the season, play it, move on, and let's get to the basketball season for these schools. Neither offense is really proficient enough to score a lot of points, and both teams rely heavily on the run. Uh, Kentucky basically only runs, and they only put up around 19.6 points a game. While South Carolina, their best player is a running back, sophomore Kevin Harris, who does average 5.7 a carry. And they like to run the ball as well. Uh, His backup is doubtful due to COVID, and their leading receiver, Shee Smith, is questionable for this one because of a concussion last week. So Harris is going to have a heavy workload, and both teams are going to just run the ball this game. They're going to chew the clock. Um, Seeing as Kentucky only scores 19 a game, it could be basically a snooze fest, but this is where the under comes into play. Um, South Carolina is, they're just not scoring that many more a game and averaging 24 points a game. And after both teams had a gauntlet, uh, like I said, they're just trying to limp towards that finish line. They're both beat up. We know the coaching problem at South Carolina. The interim coach actually benched their starter last week, the starting quarterback, and they have a lot of players that are sidelined. So this is going to be ugly for both teams. Running is just going to be the main point of focus, and the clock will seem to fly by. Um, also, in the last five meetings between the two teams, the under has been 5-0. and uh, A few more trends that play out to this one. In the last seven games following a double-digit loss at home, the under 6-1 and one for the Gamecocks, and the under is 5-2 and two in Kentucky's last seven games overall. So for this one, I'm going to go the under 49. Sounds good. Yeah, definitely a, an underplay there for two basketball schools. <laughs> two basketball schools. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take it down to Coastal Carolina in the biggest game of the week this week, in my opinion, at least the most exciting where they're going to be hosting the Liberty Flames. Uh, Coastal Carolina is laying 10 points at home, 
I'm going to be rocking with Liberty here. I'm going to take Liberty plus the 10. Now, when this line dropped on Sunday, it originally was Coastal Carolina minus 7. Uh, some huge major money came in on Coastal, which bumped it up to three, up three points. Uh, and originally, I was going to give out that Coastal minus 7 pick. Uh, maybe would have recommended it by the half point. But now I've switched sides to Liberty. Uh, the reason being is these teams are ridiculously similar in the snaps, on the field, on the stat sheet, in the coaching staff, all across the board. And what even is at more stake this year is both of these coaches are on their way out of these programs. Hugh Freeze from Liberty and Jamie Ch- uh, Chadwell from Coastal Carolina will both have Power 5 jobs next year. And this is going to be a competition for what Power 5 jobs these guys want. Uh, South Carolina is going to be open. Texas may potentially open. This is going to be a coaching duel to see what schools want which, what schools want which coach. Um, so that sticks out a lot to me. Uh, each of these teams have star-studded quarterbacks. Malik Willis from Liberty has 2,040 yards, 20 touchdowns to the air, and four interceptions. He also has 807 yards on the ground and 10 touchdowns. We can expect him to go off like he does every single week. And then on the other side of the ball, or on the other side of the field, a quarterback is Grayson McCaw for Coastal Carolina. He's got 1,747 yards, 20 touchdowns, and only one interception this year. Both quarterbacks have 20 touchdowns to the air. This is going to be an air raid game, in my opinion. Uh, both these offenses average over 38 points a game, and they both of these defenses allow less than 20 points a game. Both of these offenses gain over 450 yards a game, and both of these uh, defenses allow right under 300 yards a game, or right above 300 yards a game. At the end of the day, 10 points is too much for a team this statistically similar. Uh, over more than two possessions is too much for me. When we look at who Liberty's played this last uh, throughout the year, they have had two Power 5 opponents. Uh, they put it on uh, Virginia Tech, beating them by three when they were 14-point underdogs. And they also just lost two weeks ago to NC State, 15-14. to 14. Uh, Liberty can play with the big boys. They've already proved it this year. Uh, Coastal has been dominating their conference, but nothing has shown me true dominance you know beating georgia state 51-0 isn't really a huge green light in my book uh so i'm gonna go give you two plays for this game okay uh, already gave you liberty minus 10 or plus the 10 give me the over 55 also these offenses are too good to to bet the under yeah uh this game i mean when it when i found out last week that the two teams were playing i wanted to play it really badly um we both said that College Game Day should go to this game, and I, I believe they are. They should be. I think yeah, College Game sure. Day is going to be there. I, I See, if I were to play it, I would go with the over. But I think this is a game for me where I just want to watch it because it's two schools that you don't really think about uh, when it comes to late college football games, late in the season. Right. And it's like both teams are really fun to watch. Oh, so. and there's and there's so much at stake for both the coaches and players. Yeah. Nobody's gonna be let off the gas here. Even coming off of that fifteen fourteen loss to NC State, which ruined Liberty's undefeated season, mm-hmm. they came out and played UMass the next week and beat them forty five nothing. So they still were playing to win. They weren't, you know, shutting it down, packing it up for the rest of the year. And, you know, I'm looking at the board right now. The line has actually the overs dropped to 54 and a half. So yeah, give me I'm 54 the and a half for the over. Yeah, yeah, um, and the then over. if we look at these ATS records for Liberty, 
and Coastal this year. Liberty is at eight and two against the spread, and Liberty's at seven one, seven and one against the spread. These are two teams that have made you rich. I think it's going to even out. I think Coastal will be eight and two at ATS after this game. Okay. So give me Liberty. I like it. That's a fun game. That's going to be really fun to watch. All right, we'll move on. My next game: Texas A and M seven point favorites at Auburn. Uh, noon kickoff on ESPN. The over/under is set at fifty-one and a half. And the Aggies coming into this game, they're looking to crack the top four and get that you know college football playoff spot. Um, last week, I thought they had a chance. Last week, with Ohio State being idle due to the COVID cancellation, I thought against LSU that was their chance to leapfrog the Buckeyes, but they only could get a twenty to seven win. And against a subpar LSU team, kind I think it kind of hurt them a little bit. Um, the story of that game was the Texas A&M defense, which it held LSU scoreless for 59 minutes. They only allowed 36 rushing yards and 267 total yards. A&M played so good on defense that they actually made LSU star Terrace Mitchell opt out for the rest of the season. <laughs> He, he opted out, but obviously yeah. I don't think it was because of that game, but still. He got sick of this. He's like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. All right, but another story um, in that game was the offense for A&M. Uh, it just wasn't impressive. They themselves only had about 260 yards of total offense. Kellen Mann had a pretty bad showing. He completed 11-34 for only 105 yards. The bright spot in the game for A&M was uh, Isaiah Spiller, their running back. He had 141 yards in that game. So it makes you think that Spiller is going to be more of a vocal point this week for the offense, and that's always a good indicator that time of possession is going to bleed the clock and keep the score fairly low. So then we enter Auburn into the mix, who they got trounced by Alabama 42-13. Bo Nix was about as good as we have been saying he is in previous episodes right 227 yards two interceptions got sacked three times um it's a liability yep their key offensive player is running back tank bigsby i mean he's averaging five and a half a carry but he's dealing with a hip injury they aren't sure if he's going to be able to play saturday um auburn only averaging 26 points a game but the fact that bo nicks is going to have to carry the offense against a stellar defense that could only get 13 points last week against another top defense does not bode well for them scoring a lot of points. So I can see A&M relying heavily on Spiller and the Aggie defense, uh, stymies Bo Nix and the Auburn offense. They run the clock, score enough to win. I mean, the spread's only at seven, but I doubt that Auburn will be able to get more than 14 this week. And the trends are pointing to an under in this game as well. Seven and one in the last eight road games for A&M. Six and one in the last seven where they were favored, and six and zero in games where they are road favorites. We're talking about unders there, and the under for Auburn is five and zero in the last five overall, four and zero in the last four following a straight up loss of twenty points or more. So we're going to play the under fifty one and a half Texas A and M and Auburn. Good, yeah, I like that pick. A and M's got a lot to fight for. I mean, they're going to be the non conference champion. SEC representative in the playoff this year if they get lucky. Uh, so they're definitely going to be trying to put style points. Yeah, for and, sure. And definitely trying to shut down that O. Yeah. All right. 
I'm heading up to Huntington, West Virginia. This is a team that has been very good to us this year. They've been 5-2 and two ATS. Uh, and we're going to be betting on the Marshall Thundering Herd. They're laying 23.5 points against a struggling Rice team. Mm-hmm. Not only does this Rice team have to travel from Texas to West Virginia, they also have to play in some weather that they're not too typical to with the uh, cold front crossing over Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia this Big week. Big snowstorm. Yeah. And on top of that, Rice is 1-2 and two this year against three embarrassing opponents. So they started off the season against Middle Tennessee State, lost that game to one of the worst teams in the country, 40-34 to in double overtime. Then they went to play Southern Mississippi, which they beat 30-6. to Southern Mississippi is, are, is on their third coach, <laughs> allegedly about to be on their fourth coach. Um, and then last year they just got the they just got beat so bad by North North Texas that I don't see them wanting to play the rest of the season. They have to play an undefeated Marshall team away. Uh, Marshall's been on just another level this year. Um, they're on track to win the Conference USA, as they should. They've been led by this freshman quarterback that I'm high on. We've talked about a lot on the podcast this uh, year, Grant Wells. He has 1,674 yards, 16 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Uh, in the backfield with him is Brendan Knox, who is also putting up a career year with 744 yards on the ground and nine touchdowns. Uh, and then if we look at the other side of the ball for Marshall, they are only allowing 10 points a game through seven games this year. That is ridiculous. Uh, they're only allowing 259.7 yards per game for their opponents. Marshall is out just mismatching this team in every which way. This is going to be a huge step up for the Owls in competition. I don't think they're ready for it. We've known through the past that Rice is just an embarrassing team. I expect Doc Holliday, the head coach of Marshall, to keep wanting to run up the score, as he has all year, uh, averaging almost 40 points a game. Uh, and then if we look at one final metric is that each of these teams have played Middle Tennessee State. We already went over the fact that Rice lost them in double overtime. Well, Marshall played them on November 14th and beat them 42-14. to mm-hmm. So if we use that one comp game that also supports this, uh, you can catch me at the window betting Marshall minus 23.5. Yep, Rice is just not good. And that Middle Tennessee State, we know they're a bad team. Yeah, they're a one-person team with Astro O'Hara <laughs> at quarterback. So we know they're bad. Um and usually, when when a team can't beat them in regulation, I would I would fade that team pretty yeah. hard. So I like the pick. Good. We're gonna move on now. Uh, Baylor at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a twenty-one and a half point favorite. This is an eight o'clock game on Fox, and the over/under is set at sixty-two. Um, Oklahoma. They have one of the best offenses in the nation and the best freshman quarterback in Spencer Rattler. Uh, the last game, you know, last week they were canceled uh, due to COVID against West Virginia, but his last game threw four touchdowns. And on the season, he has over 2,300 yards of passing. He has a 22 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio. And the team offense, like I said, best in the country averaging over 500 yards per game they score around 46 points a game which is six in the nation so we know that they can put up the points but can baylor score the points um their quarterback charlie brewer i you know early in the year i was down on him i said how much i despised him how i hated him he's coming off of his best game of the season Uh, last week he threw for over 300 and two touchdowns 
They're scoring around 28 points a game, giving up around the same on defense. So both teams, you know, they can score here and there, but they're both dealing with some issues at running back, which to me points to this is going to be a throwing game, and that means the clock will not run as much, and you're going to see some big plays for touchdowns. Um, The junior running back, TJ Pledger, for the Sooners, he's only had two games where he he uh, went over for 100 yards and he's only rushed for 411 on the year on the other side of the field their leading rusher um, for Baylor Craig Williams he's out for the season and they're gonna have to turn to a backup to head the run game so Rattler I think he's gonna continue to have a great season I think last week's game is gonna propel Brewer into having another solid showing so I think points are going to be plenty in this game. Uh, the over, 3-0-1 in the last four for Baylor, and it's 5-1 and in the last six Sooner home games against a team with a losing record. The 21.5-point spread is tempting, um, but I, I think I just got to stick with the over 62 in this game. Um, I, I can't pick a side. Oklahoma wins, but I think the over is the way to play. We'll see if they even end up playing two with all the COVID issues. Let's let's not yeah. let's not start <laughs> let's with that, please, man. I had I had the two canceled last week and it hurt, but you know, hopefully, I can get a full slate once once we get going. But that's my play. Alrighty, I'm taking it down to Tennessee, who's hosting Florida this week, Saturday, three thirty kickoff. Florida's laying seventeen and a half points over under sixty one and a half, and Tennessee's not been doing too well. So it seemed to be what was supposed to be the resurgence of Tennessee football is now kind of turning into, should we look for our next coach? Uh, When Jeremy Pruitt came in three years ago, Tennessee football started to resurge. Rocky Top was being played. Fans were happy again. Hey, we got a Nick Saban protege. He's going to turn this program around. And they thought this year was a year. They started out 2-0 beating Mizzou and South Carolina. In hindsight, those were pretty terrible wins. Um, and then they lost five cents. Uh, Jared Guarantano is just Terrible. not a good quarterback. He's so bad. Uh, through seven games this year, he has 1,112 yards through the air, only six touchdowns, and four interceptions. They don't have much offensive production as they only average 20.1 points a game. Uh, and then on the defense side of the ball, they're aver- they're allowing over 400 yards a game. Uh, if we look at the other side of the field with Kyle Trask, Heisman front runner. He simply just averages 369 yards a game through the air. Yep. So there's going to be a huge mismatch with uh, Florida's offense and Tennessee's defense and pretty much just the rosters all around. I expect Guarantano to throw a lot of picks to a very much improve Florida defense over the last couple games who only allowed 27 points in their last two after allowing almost uh, 30 points a game through the first five games of the season, um, six games of the season. And Dan Mullen wants to make sure Kyle Trask has another Heisman performance. Uh, last week, Florida was losing to Kentucky at half, 10-7. to 7. Uh, Now they come, came out and still won by 24 points, giving us a cover for last week. But you can't expect them to start that slow this week. Um, Dan Mullen's not going to stand for that. They're going to come throwing at this Tennessee defense. Um, and then you can't expect Guarantano to be able to keep up with that. And with Trask being first in the Heisman race, he's going to have – a huge opportunity against Tennessee to widen his lead before they have to go play Alabama in two weeks. 
I'm really looking forward to that game as that's going to be the Heisman duel of Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. These two team, these two guys are going to be dueling it out through the air in the SEC Conference Championship. But Dan Mullen is going to want to give him that little bit of leeway prior to that game. Uh, I just see him throwing all over this defense. I see Tennessee as a team that does not want to play. Um, and Tennessee also lost to Kentucky 34-7 to this year. Why is Tennessee's line seven points less than what Kentucky's was? I cannot tell you. But I just see Florida starting a lot hotter than they did last week and not letting up just so Kyle can win this Heisman. Give me Tennessee or give me Florida minus the yeah, seventeen and a half. Florida minus seventeen and a half is huge. Uh one thing though with that Florida team is Kyle Pitts. Their tight end. He was oh, back last oh week with ninety nine yards and a touchdown. He's, he's I mean a top he, 10 pick. he he's definitely a top ten pick. He's yeah. gonna be a force in the NFL too. Yes. You line him up. I mean, you can line him up at tight end, but if you put him even as a big body receiver on the outside, if he can get faster, oh. and he could block too. Yeah, he's he's going to be a good NFL player. Uh, I do like the Florida pick just because Tennessee is so bad. All right, moving on, we're going to go Big Ten action. Nebraska at Purdue. Uh, this is a noon kickoff on the Big Ten Network. Purdue is a two point favorite. The over under is set at sixty one and a half. Nebraska has had a pretty tough go this season. I mean, they're having major issues at quarterback. Their defense is definitely not living up to the Cornhusker standard. I mean, they're giving up 32.6 points per game with 220 yards through the air. Purdue scoring around 28 a game, and they are slinging it. They throw for over 300 yards per game. That right there is the very first advantage. Purdue right off the gates. When the Cornhuskers give up their points, their offense is just unable to battle back and keep them in the game, which is putting more and more pressure on that already unreliable defense. Uh, The quarterbacks, as we mentioned, Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey are just, they're playing musical chairs. Last week, I think they were going, they were alternating a series and they did have an issue with their their, uh, center yet. So their center was having bad snaps in the shotgun. A few down, actually a few over Adrian Martinez's head. The announcer said, oh, the coaches say bad snaps are because of his turf toe. So if you knew that he was going to have bad snaps with turf toe, why is he still in the game? They pulled him after like his fourth bad snap. Yeah, which and, is four too many. Yeah, and the, the quarterbacks are just, they don't have an identity. They can't get into a rhythm. Um I don't think either one of them is showing if they should start or even play for that matter. Many people would say that this this game is close eh, close to a pick'em, and in that case, I would have to say that Purdue just looks more impressive this year. Nebraska has been unable to stay positive. They continue to get in their own way. Um, in head-to-head matchups, Nebraska is just 1-4-1 and against the spread in the last six, and Purdue tends to play well on their home grass uh defense wins games purdue has the better defense this year mix that in with the struggles at the quarterback position for nebraska i'm taking purdue minus two here um both on purdue having a better defense but also because of the issues going on within the nebraska football team yeah i don't don't know if scott frost has found his home there no it was a good story in the beginning with bringing back the old alumni but it's it's, time, it's not it's time a, to it, find a identity yeah. because Nebraska football, I think, hard nosed defense, you know, a solid 
trench fight. You can't get recruits there. No, I mean no Scott Frost was able to get guys at Central from Central Florida. Yep. So I mean I don't think it's working out for him down there in uh, in Lincoln. So I think it's almost going to be time for him to move on. Yep. All right. What do you got next? All right, for my last game of the day, I got Clemson heading down to Virginia Tech for a Saturday 7.30 kick. Clemson's laying 22 points, over under 67. Season's over after this for the ACC. They came out earlier this week and declared that this will be the last week for their regular season play, meaning Clemson and Notre Dame will be automatically put into uh, the ACC championship. Uh, But that was been full throttle. He was still heated after FSU canceled the game on him the day of the game. Uh, he took it out on Pitt last week where they pretty much scored at will and intercepted an experienced Kenny Pickett quarterback four times. Uh, in that game, Trevor Lawrence just went off 26 for 37, 403 yards and two touchdowns in his first game back since the injury. A lot of people thought he was going to be rusty. He proved him wrong real easily. Um, and then, like we said earlier in this year about Virginia Tech, they do not have an identity. They're a team that scores 33 points a game but allows the same amount of points per game. Uh, they run for more than they throw, only averaging less than 200 yards throwing per game. Not a good sign. If we look at the other side of the field, Clemson holds their opponents to under 300 yards per game. Uh, now, Virginia Tech is averaging 250 rushing yards a game. Clemson's allowing 102 rushing yards a game. Virginia Tech is not going to be able to rely on the run like they have most of the season. And with three straight losses, many teams have found them out. I mean, Liberty beat them, like we said earlier. Miami beat them by one. And Pitt just went out and throttled them a couple weeks ago. So if we have this comparison game where they lost to Pitt 47-14, to last week Clemson went and beat them 52-17, to scoring at will. They could have put – I watched that – did you watch that game? Yeah. Yeah, I watched that game. They, they could have put 70 up if they mm-hmm. wanted. Uh, Dabo kind of being a little nice. I don't see that happening this time. Virginia Tech's community is fuming at Justin Fuente right now. They're calling for his head to be uh, fired. I don't think they'll also be able to stop Travis Etienne either. You can pencil me in for rushing to the window at Clemson minus twenty-two. It's a safe bet on both sides of the ball. Yep. Yeah, I would take I'd take Clemson in a heartbeat. Uh, Virginia Tech, like we say, all season we haven't seen what Virginia Tech can do. We don't know what kind of a team they are. So ten Clemson, games into the season, I don't think they're going to figure anything special out. That's and for I sure. think because Notre Dame does not play this week, right? I think they got. They're off. Yeah, they're, they're off. This they're week. waiting. So they're going to be watching that Clemson game. I wouldn't be surprised if Dabo decides to really run up the score in this one to kind of strike some fear into Clemson, saying like, "You guys got us the first time." Well, here's Trevor Lawrence. Well, and also, I don't, I don't think they'll expose much of their playbook with Trevor Lawrence over this game. No, but no. I do think they'll just naturally be able to air. They're going to, yeah, they're going to let him. Run, yeah, yeah, they're going to let him throw the ball and say, you know, you didn't have to face this last time. Mm-hmm. Now you do. Man, and I really think, you know, we've said earlier in this podcast, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, one two two one for the Heisman. If you've Trevor, said that. if that's what I said, <laughs> you've said it. I have. True, true. But if Trevor Lawrence actually got to play a full season this year, come on, yeah. Like we all know, this is the best quarterback in the country. Nineteen touchdowns, two interceptions, forty six points a game. Yeah, Give he just Clemson. needs to cut his hair. All right. Moving on from that, we're, I'm going to stay in the Big Ten. Uh, we got Indiana at Wisconsin. 
Wisconsin's a 14-point favorite. Um, 330 kickoff, ABC. Over-under is set at 45-and-a-half. Um, but to start, it was just a horrible break for Indiana last week and actually for college football. They lost their star quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., to a torn ACL. Uh, he has been so much fun to watch, and he is irreplaceable on that team. Uh, it's tough to see that happen to a star quarterback. But the Hoosiers, they do have a pretty good backup. Uh, former top 10 high school quarterback and a Utah transfer, Jack Tuttle. Now, he's obviously not going to show up like Penix did, but one thing isn't common in both of those. They have pretty good, uh, exciting wide receivers, and one of those being Ty Freifogel, who had that breakout game against Ohio State. Uh, so Tuttle, he has weapons, and yes, they are going up against statistically the best Big Ten defense in Wisconsin. But if you look deeper into those games, Wisconsin has played three games. Illinois, Michigan, Northwestern. Those three teams are not offensive juggernauts. No, we thought Northwestern was for a little bit until they got railed by Michigan State last week. Yes, and we know Michigan's trash, and we know Illinois just not a good football team. So right there, best Big Ten defense, arguably playing three of the worst offenses. But Wisconsin is Wisconsin at the end of the day. It's a solid football team, just like every other season. And their quarterback, Graham Mertz, he is outstanding. And their offense can be explosive. In fact, both offenses in this game are explosive. Wisconsin's second, Indiana's third in the Big Ten in scoring. So even though Wisconsin's last game was, okay, it was a 17-7 to loss to Northwestern, I'm going to chalk that one up as a bad game against a bad matchup for Wisconsin. They have gone over in two of the three games this year. And Indiana has gone over in four of the six this year. And I think we can expect Freifogel and the other offensive monsters on the Hoosier offense to take somewhat of a load off of Tuttle and produce some big-time scoring plays for him. You know, those little slip screens underneath routes where he doesn't have to do too much, get it, get it out of your hands, get it to the playmaker. Uh, but I think 45-and-a-half is just too low. And if you ever see a number that that's – where it's 45 or you know 48 or something you got to take a hard look at the over and i see this total i see top three uh scoring offenses in the big 10 i'm gonna play the over 45 and a half in this game i like it all right what do we got next are you done i'm done oh okay so that means we can hopefully play a money line money maker this week uh I got Penn State at Rutgers. Penn State, eleven point under or eleven point favorites. Sorry, it's a noon kickoff on FS1. Penn State is terrible. Yeah, they beat a shitty Michigan team last week, which I picked. But Michigan is not that good either, and James Franklin is just simply a loser. He is only in the position at Penn State still because of that one play against Ohio State a few years ago, the walk-off blocked field goal. That's it. Rutgers, on the other hand, I mean, they've looked really good this year, and they're much improved this season. They also, they're known to throw in those trick plays. They have them every week up their sleeves, something new, and I know, 
Penn State's a one-win team, and this is a letdown spot for them. They're coming off their first win of the season last week. They're high. They're ready to go. They think, all right, we're going to Rutgers. We can string two in a row. But Rutgers isn't a team you want to play in a letdown spot. Rutgers is they're going to walk away with the win in this one. The Scarlet Knights, they're just more invested in their team. We saw that with that lateral play that was uh, called back because the guy was down. Yep. And the receiver who – or no, they threw a forward pass, and that receiver who threw it was crying on the sideline when they weren't going to win. That's investment into the team. The culture's changed there, and Penn State is depleted at running back. They've just been disappointment all year. They've had the – you know, they had the college football playoff hopes early in the year. Those went out the window. The team just looks defeated in all aspects. I'm going to ride with the team that seems like they're turning a corner here. And we're going to go Rutgers plus 300 on the money line. I, I like it. I mean, I I can't bet Penn State in this spot, especially lane 11. Yep. I mean, what do they have to play for? Exactly. They've only beat Michigan, who didn't want to play more than them. Yeah. So just a quick little thing. Last week, uh, I did play two money lines in the Big Ten. One was the Penn State against Michigan. The other one was that Michigan State against Northwestern. So I hit both of those. So I feel like I have a pretty good read on the Big Ten. So hopefully this is the start to a new uh, a new streak in the money line moneymaker. But that's it for me. And you're done too. I'm done. All right. You want to? Let's go over ours. I'll do mine real quick. Um, South Carolina, Kentucky. I'm taking the under 49. A uh, and M and Auburn. I got the under 51 and a half. Baylor, Oklahoma. We got over 62. Nebraska and Purdue, I'm going Purdue, minus two. Indiana, Wisconsin, over 45 and a half. And the Moneyline moneymaker is Rutgers over Penn State at plus 300. So I'm playing some totals this week. What do you got? I like it. Uh, Big country, week 14 card. I got first, Coastal and Liberty over 54 and a half. Along with that, I got Liberty plus 10. I got Marshall minus 23.5 against Rice, Florida minus 17.5, and, and Clemson minus 22. Let's have a 5-0 and week. Yes, I like that. Let's have every game get played on our cards. Let's not lose a single game. We'll come back next week. We'll have no losses. You guys will be feeling good about it, and hopefully you'll be sharing us to all your friends because we are, as you know, we're always on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, comment, anything you want. We'll help you out if you have any questions. Share that with your friends. But as of last week, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Buzzsprout. Uh, All those links are pinned on our Twitter account. Be sure to get on there and subscribe on iTunes, follow on Spotify, whatever you need to do. And every time we drop an episode, you will be notified. It'll download to your phone and you don't have to do anything else. On those two platforms, if you could, drop us a five-star review. And uh, like I, we also tweeted out something. If you if you like, subscribe, drop some reviews, let us know. We'll give you a shout-out. We'll give you a shout-out. We'll send you some stickers. Hey, we'll do whatever we can. But continue to like, subscribe. Just pass like, it on Like, subscribe, everyone, rate, review, most of all, share. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate everyone for listening. Follow us at the accountant bets that's me follow me at big country bets and follow the pod at cf payoff pod yep 
that's about it. That'll wrap it up. You got anything else? Right. Nope. Thank you guys for listening to the College Football Payoff. Yes, yes. Happy weekend and happy betting.